I'm excited to preach um, whenever the pastor asks me to preach. Uh, it, you know, 15 million things fly through my mind because that's just how it works for me. Um, but uh, the job I have outside of the church uh, for the past 20, almost 21 years, has consistently been in some sort of sales atmosphere. Um, right now, I work for um, Apple. Um, I've worked for Xfinity. I've worked for uh, restaurants where, you know, you had to sell your, basically, uh, in the right words, I guess, to say, sell yourself to make a living. Um, you know, give good service, dude. It doesn't sound right, but at the same time, if you weren't nice to people, you didn't get good tips. Um, but um, I've worked for uh, Blockbuster Video. Who remembers Blockbuster? Amen. One of my favorite jobs. Uh, spent some time at Boston Market. That was selling to myself that I still needed to work there. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, b uh, Verizon Wireless, I spent about 22 seconds at Sprint. Um, and over the course of probably the last 15 years, uh, there's been a video. Who's heard of TED Talks? Anybody? Yeah? Um, there's been a video in the line of work that I, that I do that is a motivational speaking uh, video. And uh, about a month and a half ago, I was up at the Natick Apple store, which is awesome because they have a P.F. Chang's there and you can get a great wall of chocolate. Um, but uh, I, we were up there and uh, the trainer that was running the session that day put on this TED Talk. And when I tell you I've seen this TED Talk easily 50 times in the past 15 years, um, being honest, it's, it's crazy. It's by a na man named Simon Sinek. Uh, Simon Sinek talks about a rule uh, in business, and it literally triggered in my mind a message. It, it triggered in my mind looking deeper into our Christian life, and we're going to go over that talk. If, you, if you're somebody that's in the habit of taking notes, I want you to draw three circles that looks like a bullseye. Uh, three circles. Circle in a circle in a circle, if you don't know what a bullseye is. Um, Simon Sinek says that in order to be successful in business, you have to answer three questions. And in the way we answer those questions determines our success. My proposition to you today is that in our Christian life, we have to answer these three questions. And in the way we answer these three questions determines our success for Jesus Christ in all eternity. The questions are what on the outside circle, how on the middle circle, and why on the inner circle. What, how, and why. He goes in to say over and over and over that, um, that most companies today get off on the wrong foot because they say what, how, and why. But the successful companies ask why, then the, then the how, and then the what. See, my contention today when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to our faith, is if you can answer the why for yourself, Christians, the how and the what don't matter. The how and the what become given for the glory of God. The how and the what changes lives. Because we've answered the why. See, when we look at our Christian lives, we, how, how are we going to bring people in? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What, how, how, how do we make, how do we make our, our stage the coolest it can look? Instead of saying, why do we want our stage to look this way? Why do we want our hallways to have verses flooded in them? Why do we want to do X, Y, and Z? Why do we want to do this with our teenagers? Will we engage more teenagers if we say, what can we do with you? Or this is why we want to do this with you. See, I believe, and, and, and I may have a jaded view because I once again watched a documentary on a worldwide church that we've seen a big fall from grace, is, is this. I believe that the common day church has decided that the world wants us to look at the how and what, and we've adjusted ourselves to that. Instead of saying, this is why you need Jesus. When you need Jesus, this is how he can change your life, 
and this is what he can do with your life. See, when we water down the message that we know is true, when we second guess the creator that has given us the word to live out, people die and go to hell. That is the why. Spoiler alert, point three. <laughs> Bow your heads, I'm just joking. <laughs> Simon Sinek suggests in the business world that, and, and this is a parallel, this, uh, I, have to, I have to throw this disclaimer out there, I work for them, so talking about this company can sometimes, I'm not representing them right now, um, so please don't fire me, I need this job. Um, Simon Sinek in his TED talk says, the reason people are trying to become like Apple is because, they under, they, is because Apple understands the why. If you own an iPhone, you know that year to year, the phone doesn't really change much, the MacBook doesn't change much, the iPad doesn't change much, the AirPods don't change, but because they make those small changes, people understand why it can change their life. Why going from a 12 megapixel camera to a 48 megapixel camera, it's better for them and they buy it. When you look at other sales companies, Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, Sprint, Spectrum, Verizon, uh, Xfinity, these companies, you see that they're trying to change the look of their store instead of trying to change what they do in their store. Christians, if we try and change why we do what we do instead of continually trying to change what we do, we're going to be more consistent and reach more people in our lives. Why? Because we're not watering down our message. When we water down, we look lukewarm. When we water down, we look silly. How many of you guys have bosses that, and, and you deal with the community? Yeah? It, how many of you have had to speak to somebody in a way that isn't agreeable, and then your boss comes along and doesn't stand firm in what they know is right, and then you look silly? That's what happens to us when we, and Jesus when we water down the message that God has commanded us to shine to others. If we stay consistent in the why, then when he throws the what and the how at us, it changes us. It, it, it's successful. Because we're searching for the why. Don't believe me? that uh, these stats that I've found are, are staggering to me. I believe, and, and after reading these stats, I'm going to read this statement. Just remember, I love you all. <laughs> Church, I believe this is vital. I believe the common day church tries to figure out how to dress to fit in, we come with pre-thought-out prayers that are going to be awed and inspiring by. We serve in a way that makes sure others see what we're doing. We forget this, that God sees the other 99% of our garbage lives. He is not fooled. Ah, oh, I don't see God's hand in my life. I don't see God using me the way that, that we can. Uh, I, the, the way that I think I should be doing. I, I don't see God blessing me the way I think I deserve. Well, when you show up for an hour and a half a week and you're playing church, there's no, really no room for blessing when you're just going to go out. You're asking forgiveness on Sunday, knowing that Monday through Saturday you're absolutely going to destroy your testimony. Let me ask you this. Why don't you invite those people that you know that need Jesus in their heart to church? Is it because your life is, is so shattered by what you want that if you were to say you were a Christian and a believer in God, they would laugh at you? You're not figuring out the why. You are living in the how and the what. How can I look better to the people in front of me rather than how can I look correct to the Savior that died on the cross for me? And that drives us to put other things as a priority 
in front of the one who loves us and gave himself for us. Some of us have no clue how to interpret the verse, for I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, it's not I, but Christ that lives within me. And the life that I now live is not for me, but for the one who loves me and gave himself for me. We have no clue. That's sitting in the dark on a dusty shelf because we haven't touched it, because we're terrified of what that verse brings to life when we surrender ourselves and surrender our hopes and dreams to a God that just wants to give us the why. See, when, when we look at these statistics that I'm about to talk about, it's not shocking to me that these three points are, are, are necessary in the church. In tw 2021 and 2022, 29% of Christians never once touched their Bible, as opposed to 11% saying that they touched it once a day. 80%, by the way, that 11%, 80% of that 11% was pastoral staff members at churches. I'm not good at math, but I'm pretty sure that leaves single digits of Christians that don't touch their Bible, that don't read their Bible, that don't know what the word of God, the, the, the bread of life, wants to give them on a daily basis. You're missing out. And then you want to come into churches and try and have your influence over how the church operates and how the church runs and, and how things are done. You have no clue what God's standards are. So simply what you're trying to do is you're trying to run God's kingdom the way you think it should be run. Do you see a problem there? I, I do. That ripped my heart out. That, I, I got to pull it out of my foot. <laughs> the God I serve is all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's perfect. You know what I am not? Anywhere near. I don't even think I know how to spell that stuff. I'm in constant need of And if, if you don't think that about me, just hang around me for five minutes. I have, I, I am, I, I am who I am. I, I, this thought came through my mind and I, I didn't know if I wanted to say it because I don't want it to sound self-serving. I am who I am. I will not change who I am for anybody but the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? I, I went as far as to get ordained in jeans and a baseball jersey. Because that's how I grew, that's how I was mentored, that's how I was brought up to be myself. And I'm not going to put a fake facade on just because of a special moment. That special moment was who I was, and it was because who I grew in, who I was in Christ that got me there. <clears throat> Christian, be who you are. Be who God has called you to be. The, the world tells you you're perfect the way you are. The Bible says you're not. The Bible says you must constantly, day in and day out, ask for grace. Ask for these walls to come down. So let, Clay Cross sang a song in the mid-90s that said, Let all my kingdoms fall, I surrender all. Surrender all to the one who created this world, and he will build something so incredible. Uh, if you're from East Song Meadow and you're on the East Song Meadow Forum, you'll know that on Prospect Ave, there was the old, uh, I, I call it the old white mansion that's fixable so that he can make something that's completely fixed, something that's completely whole, something that's completely fixed together. It doesn't seem that the average day Christian wants to know anything about that. With the stat I just read, the next one, 67% of Christians attend church zero to one times a month, including, this was, this was a part of that stat, almost once a month. When I dug a little bit deeper and clicked onto the blue link on that, it meant that they show up for part of the service, worship, and then they leave because they don't want to be preached to. 67, that's more than half. That's 6.7, that's six adults and a little person. We call it Lewis. We love you just the same, buddy. So does Jesus. At least he's laughing. 
30, 34% of Christians say they don't pray on the regular. They only pray when they are hurting. 76% of Christians admit to not knowing this is, this is crazy to me. Sit, that had a lot of turns on it. I would have turned that before. 76% uh, of Christians admit to not knowing what the pastor preached as soon as two hours after the service. Huh? Is your fantasy lineup that important? Is your Facebook updated? I'm at sure. I checked in. Greatest place on earth. Can't tell you what we stand for, but I'm here. Hashtag 2023. I, I, literally, I, I mean this, Christian. This year for me is simplify. Simplify the name of Jesus in my life. Just simply, simply wants me to live for him. Checking in on social media. I, listen, people are talking about Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Can I, can, I, can I admit one thing? I hope that social media platform crashes. That's one less thing that can tear our society apart. That's one less distraction. And that's me included. Absolutely. 76% of people don't, can, can I just, I, I've spoken pretty boldly. Can I just be me for a second? 76% of people don't give a crap what the pastor's preaching. They don't have enough respect for the name of Jesus to set their troubles, their hurts, their sorrows aside for 45 minutes. We were, we were talking the other day, uh, a couple months ago, the other day, it's like it all bleeds in with me and my dad. It's, we, we have continued conversations. So we'll start talking, and then Aaron will interrupt, and we'll, three hours later, we'll, uh, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's true. Okay. As, at least she's smiling. Um, <laughs> we'll talk. There are pastors that legit placate to their church so much that they say, my sermons are now 15 minutes. Because that's how long the attention span of the church is. Grow up. You pay more attention to the customers at your job or your boss or meetings than you do the pastor that's speaking everlasting life from the word of God. He's not up here to self-glorify. Some are. That's a different stat. But pastors, by and large, aren't up here self-promoting. They're up here trying to speak life in something that is eternally life-changing, not changing week to week. The Bible says Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The methods may change. We may have to do trunk or treat that we didn't do 20, 25 years ago, have an Easter egg hunt, blend in the Easter bunny with Jesus. Oh, my gosh, we're unbiblical. Otherwise, you know, uh, God forbid they come onto a church property and find some toys. You get more offended that we have an Easter bunny at an Easter egg hunt than you do the fact that you don't pay attention to the sermon on Sunday. That shows the shallowness of your faith, church. Do we not understand that? 64% of Christians say they would serve, but only serve in ministries where they will be recognized by the rest of the church. Six and a little bit shorter than Lewis out of every 10 people. I think at that point, that's my grandmother. <laughs> Please don't hurt me. That's the only one in it so far I'm worried about. 64% of people say they won't serve in a nursery, say they won't serve in a youth ministry, say they won't serve in kids' ministry, say they won't mow the lawn, say they won't clean the toilets, because people won't see them doing it. We're wading in the shallow waters, Christian. This is the most appalling one to me. Six out of every ten members think that they could do a better job than the pastoral staff. Okay? Listen to this one, though. 35% of people will actually attempt to leave and start their own church based on their thinking. That was brutal honesty to me. I really didn't think that would come through. You want to hear the shocking stat when you live on your own? 99% of those churches fail within nine months. You know why? 
The most common quote used by the church says that they never really felt the presence of God in that church. It seemed like an attention thing. That was a survey out of 20,000 people. The pastoral side of it says, uh, and the one that started the church said, I didn't know there was so much to do. <laughs> My pastor's a kid from another pastor. Makes you want to laugh, right? Yeah, because even as a pastor's kid, splitting your time, growing up, I'm 39, I don't need my dad's attention as much as I used to. I still need it, but, um, you know, but <laughs> thought that would be funny, but, um, but I don't need it the same way I used to. As a teenager, can I tell you that I had to split my time? with my dad. I had to be, and I believe that's why, if I can be confident in one thing, I think that built me to where I am today because I understood the sacrifice. I could get super personal like I'm about to, and I could say that I grew up with two other siblings, that we've had open conversations about that, and that was a struggle. That's something they couldn't grasp. It's why I'm the favorite. Speak the truth in love. Um, it's a hard thing to grasp. It's not for everybody. That's why the statistics of pastors' kids that stay in church is so staggeringly small. I knew, I, I knew that the random people, we would come home to say, hey, this is our new roommate. There was a reason for that. It wasn't how can we make this person better or what can we do. It was... Why do we want to take this person in? Why, why do we want to adopt at 60 years old? He, he was like 53, but he's old now, so. Why do we want to step out? Why? Not how can I get more people to pay attention to me or what can I do to gain more attention. I'm feeling irrelevant. Why do I want to turn my life upside down to help restore Two broken lives. Because at some point, our lives were the ones that needed to be turned upside down and restored. When you grasp that, you start to live outside of the how and what. And you make camp in the why. I could go on and on, New Life, with stats. I literally have 14 pages of stats um, that I copy and pasted off the website. Not Wikipedia. But instead, I want to ask you this. Why does the why pertain to you? Why is the modern church turned into a, it, th I'm going to go to the best looking party instead of I'm going to fall into a church that can help me define the why in my life? You hear a lot, and a lot of people are sour. Uh, we've had a lot of people come and go through here. We, if, if the people over 20 years that have been at this church would have stayed here, this auditorium would be much bigger. I mean that. Over 20 years, when we first started out, that why, there were times where we, we could barely see it. <laughs> we were trying to figure it out. Exactly. When, when we live in a how and what, you see you have no endurance. Oh, well, I thought of this program and the pastor said no. Or, oh, we tried this and it didn't work. Or, oh, I, I, I mowed the lawn or I, I volunteered to do this and I didn't get a thank you. We'll, we'll dig into a, a scripture about that in a second. Very, very bold, kind of in your face if this message hasn't been that way thus far. Thank you for staying, by the way. <laughs> I believe as with the golden circle idea we have a solution. The first thing we need to do and what we're going to do today, and then we'll go over over the next few weeks, I'm just joking, um, <laughs> is we need to dig into what these are. What does it mean to be in the what? What does it mean to be in the how? And what does it mean to be in the why? What we do, Christians, is the simplest question to answer. Hopefully every single one of you in here has heard Romans Road in John 3.16. The what is we are Christians. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans Road says, for the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But if you confess with your mouth that you are a sinner, that Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be saved. The what is simple. Most of us, uh, as, as adults, and the pastor in, in the past year has read statistics out on people getting saved at a certain age. <laughs> Most of us, as adults that come to know Jesus Christ as a Savior, as, as teenagers, that's a result of either one of two really big things. The majority of it is kind of a, a, a crappy, dysfunctional life that has led us to a ro- that broken road to Jesus Christ. So when we look at what God has called us to, the first thing is the simplest. We're sinners. We need God's grace. God sent his only begotten son to offer us a free gift. We can accept that gift, and boom, we are made new. It's that simple. Don't overthink it. Don't over-dramatize it. We don't need the fog and the laser lights and the, you know, the, the dance moves that I can't pull off. We don't need any of that. That's all smoke show. We just need to keep it simple and say that there are sinners out there. It doesn't matter what sin, and I mean that. Christians today are willing to, will, more willing to spend times, uh, in, in, they would rather spend times, out, statistically speaking, outside of bars witnessing to people and door knocking than try and witness to the LGBTQAI exclamation point community. Some of them go as far as saying, I don't ever want to see them walk through the doors of my church. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. And when you read the Bible, the only unforgivable sin is that of not to ask for forgiveness, to deny Jesus' grace. So that puts all other sin, gluttony, your bad language, your bad drinking habits, your bad smoking habits, uh, your uh, beating your wife, beating your kids, uh, beating your husband, um, you know, whatever it is, it is. That's all on the same playing field when it comes to the grace of God. If we know that and we're in agreement with that, then why do we sound hateful to one group and compassionate to another? Why are we so willing to say that I believe it was Jeffrey Dahmer that sat down with the focus on the family guy and say, oh, at the end of his life, he asked Jesus into his heart, but the person that walks down the street flying a rainbow flag, no, I can't talk to them about Jesus Christ. We're categorizing sin, Christians. We're looking, at, we're looking at people and saying, your outward actions are worse than theirs. Therefore, I'm going to withhold eternity in heaven from you. You're not good enough. Oh, well, that person called me a poo-poo crap face. I, I, can't, I can't be friends with them. I don't want to serve God next to them. Well, then you're living in the how and the what. How do I serve? I serve God on my terms. What about you? When it says why, it says, ah, we need to just work through our differences, Christian. Hey, I know this is going to be a difficult conversation to have, but I believe it's biblical. I don't like being called a poo-poo crap face. If you want to call me a pee-pee head, call me a pee-pee head. <laughs> but please leave poop out of your mouth when you talk about me. But in the scope of eternity, can't we break all of our Christian conflicts down to that simple childlike frustration? I refuse to show grace to a fellow believer that I can serve with because fill in the blank of whatever your sentence needs to be filled in with. I've battled for 20 years, Christian. Can I, can I, New Life, can I get super, super personal today? Super personal about myself? 2022 was the biggest struggle of my life. I was, I was, I didn't know if I wanted to continue living at times. I struggled. Felt alone. Felt abandoned at times. 
and it was by my doings. I was miserable. I was frustrated. I didn't like where I was. I, 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 I. All those stupid, irrelevant sentences started with I. I started walking down a path. I, 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 got, I was blessed. Oh, my goodness. I was blessed uh, with a new job that is just, oh, my goodness. It's incredible. Uh, I started counseling. <laughs> I broke some habits that, that I knew I needed to break. And I said, I gotta stop. The, the most painful one was I gotta stop thinking about the eye. I've gotta stop thinking about the eye. Suddenly, this loud and quite obnoxious at sometimes, Zach, got a little bit quieter throughout the year. I had to take a step back, I had to realize. If I'm pleasing God, <laughs> I don't really care who, who's unhappy with, with what I'm doing in the call of God. I really, truly don't. And, and again, I know that our pastor saying that at times, the I don't care phrase, has rubbed people the wrong way. Until you've lived that life and gone through that and experienced the, the leadership aspect of, of trying to follow God's steps and do what God has called you to do, you don't know the gravity of saying, I don't care. We will do the will of God at New Life Church. If you don't like that, then this, pastor has said it so I can say it, then this church isn't for you. Go somewhere where they're going to put fog on the stage. Go somewhere where they're going to, uh, <laughs> go somewhere where they're going to, you know, going to wear the, the long V-neck shirts and the, the weird jewelry and all, all that grow out the, the, the awesome beard. I, I, I can't do that. I don't even look that good in a hat that you're wearing, man. I wish I did. I told Lewis back there, I was like, I wish I could look that good in that hat. I look like I'm trying too hard. You know what I'm going to do, though? I'm going to lean on God the best I can, and I'm going to try to be me. My imperfect, broken, selfish self is going to try to lean on God and simplify because I'm tired of living in the what. People aren't attracted to that. What we do is simple. Many Christians start off within the what when they accept Jesus in their heart because that's what they have to do. That's why we see those people get saved, get baptized, and they... They flourish. Oh, man, I want to I clean. I want to mow the lawn. I want to be in a praise team. I, I want to pray for the pastor before his service. I want to be a deacon. And the minute their first no gets hit or the minute they're tired, poof, they're gone. Because they've neglected moving to the inner circle. The next step is how. How we do it. This is next level stuff, and it really is, because it's, it complements and it allows the why to flourish through God. And this is where we're going to dig into some scripture. How we do it. Our, our title verse first is Luke 18, uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. It says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two went up to the temple to pray one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of everything uh, I get. But the tax collector standing afar off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this one, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And by himself be exalted doesn't mean him. He will lift high the name of Jesus. Let me tell you this. This is red letter writing right here. This isn't Paul's words. This isn't Matthew's words. This isn't John's words. This isn't Job's words. This is a spoken word of Jesus Christ that says he doesn't care in the how and the what. He cares about the why. And if you can't answer that, then your gifts 
and your talents are going to be wasted because the people are going to see through the shallowness of what you've built in your life. Some of us are wading so much in the shallowness of Christianity that we continue to try to go to another lake and another lake or another pool to try and make ourselves look good and useful. When we, defi- when we look and we fall on our face and say, God, I am so unworthy. The, the good is so outweighed by the bad in my life that I need, I, I, I yearn, I long for your grace and your forgiveness. Please take this heart, clean it, make it new, create in me a clean heart, restore a right spirit within me. We've got some pretty shining examples of, of Christians that have allowed their life to degrade and be ambiguous in the name of Jesus Christ. That, that word means a double meaning. Oh, I'm a Christian, but I'm going to be allowed to do this because I can, I can cling on to the cross. When I'm done being selfish, I can just ask for forgiveness. When I'm done looking for attention, I can just look for forgiveness. When we look at how we do it, the next level means that those statistics start to fade away. We start to open up the word of God. I mean, I, I, me and George had amazing conversation. Me, George, and Jonathan had amazing conversation that our wives probably yelled at us for just as long as we had the conversation. We, we had a conversation for three hours. If you know any of us, you know that once we get into conversations that we love, we just continue to love having the conversations. Love it. I love talking about my faith. I've had three instances in the past six weeks where I've been able to share my faith at a company that doesn't smile upon people of our faith and belief. One went as far as, well, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, this is what the Bible says. And I said, can I ask you a question? You're grabbing one verse here, one verse there, one verse here. Have you ever studied the Bible? No. Then let's do this. We can have a conversation, but I refuse to debate and argue with anybody that doesn't know what they're talking about. I will show you through my life then how I live out the word of God in my life and that it's real and it's infallible, that it's true. I love it. When you see that difference, if you want it, I'm here to walk you through it. I I long for the days, Christian, where our Facebook posts aren't just scriptures or videos or, 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 you know, uh, shares of our sermons, but have posts of saying, this is how many people were saved today. This is how many people were saved today. Hey, guys, look, we have to go to a third, fourth, fifth service because we just can't house everybody. When I look at the, when I look at the how, that's, that it's, it's, helps define the why. 2 Timothy 2.15 We'll start in verse 14. It says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. Told you the poo-poo crap head stuff was in there. This is useless and needs, leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching a word of truth. KJV version says, study to show yourself approved. How do we define the How? First off, we study. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18, for the sake of time, says, pray without ceasing. Pray over everything. One of the, one of the coolest things, uh, I, I always talk to uh, our, our pastor and, and uh, you know, my grandfather uh, always talked about was how they prayed over everything, blueberry or apple pie. Blueberry or apple pie, we, we prayed as a family around the pie. And I thought about that as a kid, and I was like, why is that relevant? What happens if, if they're in line, and, and they haven't prayed about it, they got what they want, and God had something bigger for that pie? What happens if they're in line to check out, and the family in front of them, they hear that it's their birthday, they don't have enough money to get a cake or a pie, and they reach out, hey, what kind of pie do you, what kind of pie do they like? 
oh, blueberry. Oh, well, I grabbed apple because that was my favorite instead of praying, that, uh, praying when God tugged in my heart. Oh, you're allergic to apple? Oh, okay. Well, hey, God has blessed me uh, to pick up actually a blueberry pie. I want to pay for it and give it to you. Well, why would you do that? Well, I'm a believer in, 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 uh, I'm a believer in God, and I believe that we, we should show grace and we should give, give favor. Oh, that's cool. Where do you go to church? I go to New Life Church at 317 Westwood Avenue. Next Sunday, they walk down uh, through our hallway into our auditorium and accept Jesus as their personal savior. That's not a far-fetched scenario. Ask Pete Goudreau. Ask Lori Goudreau. Uh, ask, ask Molly McLaren. Ask Andrew Brow. Ask anybody else who's walked down into this church unsaved how they found Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Ask our pastor's wife. Something as simple as nails was used for the glory of God by somebody who'd never, who doesn't speak English. Pray without ceasing. Don't stop praying because you never know when God's going to turn that Tug on your heart on the inside into the outside. Deuteronomy chapter 15. If there is a poor person among you, one of your brothers with, with, uh, within any of your gates in the land the Lord your God has given you, do not be hard, uh, hard-hearted or tight-fisted toward your poor brother. Instead, you are to open your hand to him freely, loan him uh, enough for whatever he, he has. Be careful that there isn't any wicked thought in your heart. Uh, the seventh year of the seventh canceling of debts, and, and you are stingy toward your brother and giving him nothing. He will cry out to the Lord against you, and you will be guilty. That's crazy. You will be guilty if there's any wickedness in your heart. Give to him and don't have a stingy heart. You know what I keep reading there, reading there, reading there, reading there? Give, 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 give. Give of yourself. Do you find yourself tired sometimes from how much you, you feel like you give to God? You know what you can do? God, give me more energy to serve. I'm tired, man. I am exhausted. I am, I am, life... Life is no joke. Our pastoral staff here are volunteers just as much as anybody else in the correct category. We work full-time jobs outside of this church. We got families. We got bills. It's tiring. I would not stop doing what I'm doing until God tells me I'm done. Why? Because... (laughs) The strength of the, the Lord is my strength. I read that somewhere. When it's time for me to rest, he will bring me by the still waters. He restores my soul. He helps me soar above the storm with wings as eagles. He is my strong tower. Because guess what? Even as an associate pastor, I'm weak. You ever weak as a pastor? You ever weak as a pastor's wife? It's okay to be weak. You know why? Because the God we believe in is in the how. How do I keep going? Because I believe that the why will continue to give me strength, will continue to give me courage, will continue to give me uh, purpose. I don't have to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow, (laughs) tomorrow's got its own problems. I've we were talking before about it's, you know, sometimes it, you want to go back to being a teenager because there was that blissful ignorance of life. Man, as an adult, tomorrow, for some of you, tomorrow might suck. Can we be frank? Two hours from now might suck for some of you. It's because you're sitting in the middle of your how, leaning on your own understanding, in all your ways, acknowledging yourself directing your own path. That contradicts Christian. Look at 1 John 3, 16 and 18. 16 through 18. This is how we have come to know love. He laid his life for us. We also lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. 
If anyone has this world's, uh, this world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him? Little children, let us not love in word or speech. Yep, let's say it out loud, but in action and truth. How do we take the what to the how? We live in action and truth. We live in action and truth. He loved us, or we love him because he first loved us. And in that, we should love others the same way he loved us. Because he did, if he didn't love us <laughs> the same way we're supposed to love others, he never would have sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for our sins. Because there's flaws in the way I love. Amen? There's flaws in the way I love. There's limits in my love. I'm willing to admit that. I'm willing to humble myself and kneel before the, the throne of God and say, there's limits to my love, God. Our pastor spoke on that last week, week before. You don't know love because you, you compartmentalize that love that you want untouched by God. I don't want to show that love to those people. So I'm going to put it in this tight little box, and I'm going to play a prank on God by wrapping it all up in the whole roll of duct tape. I'm going to put it under the Christmas tree and watch him squirm as he tries to do his will. That's our thought, the level of arrogance there, Christian. We are to love in action and in truth. And in Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break, break in and steal. But store up yourselves treasures in heaven where moth, and, uh, nor rust, uh, moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Show me somebody that needs human adulation, and I'll show you a weak Christian. I, 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 teeter, I, I, I teeter on saying this, and I've prayed about it all week. I mean this with all my heart, Christian. I am tired of, I did this, I did this, I did this, me, 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 me. It hinders the, the kingdom of God. Christian, I, I, there, there are churches around this country that has, and, and, and I struggle with it. I really do because I, I have friends that are pastors that, that do this at their churches. They have a night, and it's, it's kind of like the Oscars. They, the, the church gets dressed up, and they have these nice little banners that you stand in front of, and you have paparazzi taking a picture of you, and it's called the volleys. We pay homage to the volunteers in our church. Listen. If it ever gets to the point where we'll, we're losing members because we don't say thank you enough for it. Now, I believe in showing gratitude. I promise you. Thank you so much for doing what you do. Thank you so much for a great 2022. We're still standing here amongst the financial obstacles we've faced, amongst the numerical obstacles we've faced. Post-COVID isn't easy. We've stayed true to the vision of God here at New Life Church. I firmly believe it. I, we, <laughs> we say it quite often, but I believe 2023 can be huge as a church if we unify properly, biblically, according to the call of God for our church. Not what anybody else is doing, but our church. And we follow the way God wants us to follow from the top down. It's sick. I get sick to my stomach when I hear people say, well, that person won an award over me, and I didn't get the adulation at that award ceremony. I mean, it's, I saw, it was a great part about social media is you get to read everybody's feelings. It's amazing. I think I have to find a new church. Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth. I'm sorry that that 799 trophy didn't have your name markered into it. I'm sorry that the service that God has called you to, nobody sees. You know why I'm sorry? I'm not sorry because you're not getting adulation. I'm sorry because you don't see the victory that God can create in you through that quiet service. I, I, married, I married the complete opposite of my personality. 
My wife hates attention. If you asked her and her best friend Kate to come up here and preach a sermon, the first thing they would do is throw up all over the place. The second thing they do is probably pass out. <laughs> They're not attention. She's squirming in her chair right now that people are looking at her. Everyone's looking at you. <laughs> they make a difference in our children's ministry. You know why? I've tried to teach the little, little kids. I'm terrible at it. You put me in front of teenagers, you put me in front of adults, we'll be here till 2 o'clock this afternoon, people. I can talk all day about God's love and what God does to me, for, to me, through me, and for me, and what he can do for you. But when you put me in front of a bunch of little kids, holy cow, it, I look how it comes out. It's, it's terrible. They're gifted in that. Why do you need human adulation? Why do you need that level of thankfulness and that level of attention? It's because you're in it for you. You're not in it for God. You may say, let me skip over that. The last part, for time's sake, is this. Why do we do it? What is the center? What is the core? What is the middle ground of what we do? We're going to look at 1 John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus... Jesus is, or the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. You want to live the truth? Answer that within yourselves. Look at the, if, if, you, if you drew that little diagram I asked you to draw, look at that. Do you want to live in the why? Honestly. It's, it's, it's not an easy question. It comes at much sacrifice. It truly does. It says the world will hate us for what we do, for what we stand for, how we live. It's an expectation. Jesus even goes so far as to say, hey, they don't hate you. They hate what you stand for. They hate Jesus. So by hating Jesus and you living Jesus, they're going to hate you. Are you willing to stand firm in a world that is ever-changing? Holy cow, is it ever changing? I feel like I want to be this this day. The next day, I feel like I want to be this. You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I want the rock, Dwayne Johnson's money. I feel like I can identify as him. I've got the body mass for it. I want, you know what I want? I, today, I identify as somebody with a perfect credit score, a full bank account, a large house, a nice car that has power steering and a stereo that works. Just want to throw that out there. I don't want to have a son that has social anxiety. I, I, I want to cure my son from his social anxiety. I don't want him to be nervous when he comes into his church. I don't want him to be terrified of being around people. That's what I want to identify with us today. When I live in the why, God teach me. I was able to tell the teacher, his teachers, he is such personality-wise. If you've met my son, first of all, he's already beaten me up. He's four foot three at five years old, and he's 100 pounds. And he still wants to be carried up the stairs. That's why dad does push-ups every day. I love my son to death. He's the sweetest boy. But he's terrified of anything that isn't mom and dad, that isn't poppy, that isn't grand dude or nani. That breaks my heart because I know what the people of this church have to offer. I know what this world has to offer. I know that he can be a difference maker even at five years old. I know what it know, means now to be biased of your kids. Breaks my heart. 
I don't want him to struggle. God, show me the purpose. Help me live in the why. As hard as it may be, I promise God that I will be faithful through the times that I can't explain. I will be faithful through the unknown because I want the why to shine so bright. I want to walk in the light. Apple's motto is we shine a spotlight so others may stand in it. What if we as Christians took that? I want to shine God's light so that others may see it and stand in it. That's my alarm that my time is up, apparently. I want to shine a light so that others may stand in it. Are you okay with that? I want you to take an honest, hard look at yourself today. Are you okay with that? 20 years ago, July 3rd, I found the notes. I was asked a question at our parsonage to the left at our, at our table. I had mildly annoyed our pastor and used my sales skills to try to convince him to let me be the youth pastor of this church. At the time, the age range was about Moses to Noah, and there was no prospects whatsoever of a younger generation coming into this church. It was going to take a lot of work. Ask me this. If your job here, God's calling on your life was to be here to build something that could, that, that could continue to sustain, and then God call you away, would you be okay with that? That's resonated with me. I've got that tattooed on, uh, on, on my heart. I serve as if God is going to be a Monday morning quarterback calling me away tomorrow. What's the statement that is told to me anytime I get up to preach? Preach as what? Preach as if it's your last time. It's the way I approach our teens, our youth group. We're reckless. We get kicked out of Six Flags. It's amazing. <laughs> Wasn't that big of a deal, but it was fun. I try to look outside the box. Mary, Mary works in my youth ministry, the youth ministry with me. We try and think outside the box and find ways to build this next generation of youth. Our kids' ministry, we put our heads together and try and find creative, unique ways to build the next generation of these, uh, of these kids' ministry, uh, ki- uh, these Christians. I do it with all my heart, and I promise you that. I love it. But I do it as if God is going to call me away tomorrow so that I can leave nothing on the table. Maybe we as Christians would be better served if we lived our lives by thinking that the next five minutes aren't promised to us. And the difference we can make in the present can only be in the present. That we can't worry about tomorrow. We can only worry about making a difference today. Why? Because we need to live in the why. In closing, I believe, church, that when we live in the how and the what, we miss the point. We become Christians that build our house on the sand, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. says the wise man builds his house upon the rock. And that's not Dwayne Johnson, by the way. You know why he says don't build your house in the sand? Because the sand is an arrogant, self-serving, better view way of looking at things. Anybody stayed in a beach house before? Yeah? The same comment comes back, back every time, right? Oh, I didn't want to leave. Gorgeous sunsets, gorgeous sunrises. Sometimes building your house on a rock sucks. It's not seen, it's, it's constantly being attacked by the, by the lions and the bears and the whatever, but maybe God needs you to be attacked by the lions and the bears so that you can face the Goliath. 
Maybe it's time that we as Christians search our hearts in the quietness of the moment and say, here's what I need to do. Brand new year, I posted, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I posted, you know, 2023, we're about to hear the new year, new me stuff. I said, I can promise you that I'm going to be the same me, annoying little nuisance that, that I always am. I just want to grow in Christ, Christians. New life, I just, want to be, I just want to be better for God. I just want to find out what that means. I want to find where God wants me to be and needs me to be more consistent for him. Where I can, what else I can eliminate in my life that will draw me closer to him. Strengthen my views, strengthen my doctrines, strengthen my hermeneutics. Strengthen, strengthen my ability to discern right from wrong so that I may find what is good and acceptable and pure and the perfect will of God. When we do that, we'll find that we truly live in the why and that the how and the what are insignificant because when we find the how and the what, when we're living in the why, God's blessings will be completely covered in it and it will be void of us. We are all called to different things, church. May 2023 be the year that you find your niche in God. Make the effort. Strive forward. Look for, God, for what God wants from you. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about the, the, the person at the pulpit or, or with the microphone during worship or on the drums. I would love to play the drums. I am utterly confused when I watch Ron play drums. I just, I don't have that sense of rhythm. We can put some music on and I'll show you. <laughs> I'll dance around. It's awful. I have to be satisfied that Ron has been called to play drums, that his daughter's been called to play piano, that his wife's been called to be a teacher, that his son has been called to be a major league baseball player so we all can retire early. Hallelujah. Just joking, but I'm not at the same time. <laughs> Worry about how God, what God has called you to be, why he's called you to do that. And guess what? When you're secure in that, it will strengthen others around you. When you live in the how and what, you weaken the wall of God. What will you do today? What will you decide in this moment? It's not going to be easy. If you decide to take that jump into the why, it's not going to be easy. Ask anybody that's done it. Ask anybody that's done faithful, that, that's been faithful to God's calling in their life and tried to void themselves, that's tried to die daily. It's not easy, but it's worth it. Why? Because for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Our rewards are in heaven, Christian. Work like it. Act like it. Think like it. And love like it. Let's pray. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. First, I, I truly thank you for staying through it. Uh, I have a tendency sometimes to just speak. I pray that it spoke to you. We spoke of the salvation, the, the loving grace of Jesus Christ, the forgiveness of our sins. In the quietness of the moment with heads bowed and eyes closed, would there be anybody in here that says, Zach, I, I've, never, I've never accepted that. I want you to know that if that's you and you're nervous about raising your hand, those that have accepted Christ have been where you are in this moment. We're not going to point you out. We're not going to say you by name. We're not going to pick you up and put you on a chair and lift you up and say, this person isn't saved. Let's pray for their salvation. We just simply want to pray for you. We want you to know that if that's not you, we can show you. Is there anybody today that would have the courage to say, I've never once accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. I don't know what that means. Is there anybody here that would raise their hand and say that? All heads bowed or all eyes closed. It's just me and you. 
Christian, are you living in the how or the what? Do you need to lean, on, lean into God to say, I want to be in the why? That's the first question to answer is, do you want to? Do you want to live in the why? Would you be brave enough today to say, I need prayer. I need accountability. I need Jesus come in and create in me a clean heart and restore a right spirit within me. Anybody here that would say, I want to live in the why? Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Continue to strive, Christians. Continue to fight the good fight. Finish your course. You're here for a reason. God, we love you. I thank you so much for the opportunity to just preach what you've put on my heart. Pray that it made sense. Pray that it shined and spoke you. God, I, I pray that you will create within new life a sense of unity this year. A, a, a next level sense of unity that says whatever our differences, whatever our shortcomings, whatever our our arguments, whatever our, our, our hard times. We will serve as a family of God. Together, unified with the vision that God has given this church. May great and powerful things happen. May you strengthen us in a way that we need to be strengthened. May you build us the way that you want to be built, and may we surrender to that as hard as it may be. We love you so much, Jesus' name. Amen.